Good morning. It is Friday. Uh, sorry that it's been, um, this is a little late in coming. Uh, you guys know what our week has looked like. And uh, yeah, it's been, whew, it's been crazy. Uh, but Amy and I uh, really feel kind of the sense of uh, satisfaction with uh, sending Ethan off to, to school. And uh, so, so that is good. Um, and we are, we are recovering. And uh, the last couple of nights we have both slept uh, like the dead, as they say. Uh, it's probably been the best two nights of sleep uh, that uh, I've had in, in a very long time. And uh, so they're so God is God is good and God is faithful as we are uh, continuing to walk through this time of transition. Uh, next week, schools get going here in Ypsilanti, so that's uh, that'll be a whole new transition, whole new thing to try to figure out. And so we will uh, we'll be walking through that, but it should be fine. And uh, Libby's pretty chill about the whole thing, and so that's good. I hope you guys are well. Know that uh, I am praying for you, that I am beyond grateful for your service. I know I say this every week, but I do not want you to think that there's ever a time um, that I take you guys for granted. Uh, Too many of my friends and colleagues uh, don't have what we have. And uh, so I am so, so thankful to all of you. And, uh, and how you care for us. Um, as always, if there is anything that needs to be in this podcast, please let me know. Um, please let me know what, uh, what needs to be here, what you would like to see here, what is missing. And, um, you know, I will, I will be sure to try to try to add that, right? Um, so, uh, so without further ado, let's jump in here to, uh, the fourth in our series. Uh, I am the good shepherd. This is the fourth I am statement in the gospel of John, and it is, uh, located in John chapter 10 verses 11 through 21. And, uh, it goes like this says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock. And one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? All right. Uh, let me pray and we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thanks for this morning. Uh, thank you for the rain and the reminder of your blessing uh, as it falls from the sky. And uh, Father, as we spend some time in your scripture, I pray that we might be changed a little bit and not just learn more stuff. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. All right, so this is the third illustration uh, that Jesus gives to describe himself here in John chapter 10. Remember, we are not dealing with parables. We are dealing with figures of speech or illustrations uh, that, he's, that he's giving. And uh, these illustrations uh, help to describe uh, who he is. Uh, it helps him to describe what is going on. And he's using illustrations uh, from their everyday lives that these folks would very much know and understand, right? And so that's, that's what's going on here, um, not parables. Remember, parables are a little bit different because they're stories that, uh, that kind of come to a, a point. And, uh, and so... You know this this point uh, is is oftentimes uh, not is not going to be found here in these illustrations, right? There's not a moral to the story uh, in the same way that you think of maybe like the Good Samaritan um, or the the parable of the lost sheep or the lost coin or the uh, you know the prodigal son, those kinds of things, right? So uh, this is a little bit different in that it's a it's an illustration that Jesus is using to describe uh, a certain situation. So uh, and remember too, the context of this is uh, John chapter nine, where Jesus is is pushing and pressing into the gatekeepers uh, who were the religious leaders uh, during that time. Um, and, uh, you know, who had, these guys had kicked out, uh, the man that Jesus healed, the man who was born blind. He, uh, you know, he, he kicks, they, they kick him out of the synagogue. And so Jesus here is, um, is really chastising, uh, the religious leaders, the gatekeepers of the, of the community of faith. And, and he's, He's really pressing pretty hard here. But in so doing, he's also clearly identifying himself as the Son of Man, right? As the, uh, the, one, the one who was to come. He is, he is the Good Shepherd. So uh, here in John 10, 11 through 21, uh, we, have, we have this fourth statement, I am the Good Shepherd. And, uh, and so you can really break this down kind of into five, uh, five things, uh, five, five sections, four uh, in the illustration, and, and then one uh, is, is kind of falling action. But you have in verses 11 through 13, the good shepherd lays down his life. In verses 14 and 15, the good shepherd knows his sheep. In verse 16, the good shepherd has more than one pen. And in verses 17 through 18, the good shepherd has authority. And, uh, and then 19 through 21, you have uh, the falling action. So, uh, or kind of just kind of the results of, of this illustration being told. It might be another way of saying that. But uh, let's, let's, look at, let's look at each of these things uh, as, he, as Jesus gives us this image of the good shepherd. Now, the first thing... Uh, that I think we all need to uh, maybe wrap our minds around a little bit here is uh, I was reading reading in one of the commentaries uh, about this and 
and they made a good point. They said, you know, too often American Christians think of a shepherd as some sort of soft um, kind of guy, right? Just kind of cuddling uh, a little sheep. And that could not, but that cannot be farther from the truth. Shepherds were, uh, they were rough and tumble. Uh, they were basically the cowboys of, of, uh, of that time. And, uh, and even if you go, you know, if you, even if you go to the Middle East today and you find, you know, you, you look at those shepherds, man, those dudes are, are grisly. Uh, they, they definitely look like, uh, they've, they've seen some things. And so, uh, you, you want to, yeah, man, you want, you want to be, be careful about, about your image of what a shepherd looks like. And, uh, and these shepherds were, they were not weak. They were not fluffy. They were not soft. Uh, they, they were tough and, uh, and they were, they were, they were people who, uh, who were ready to, to deal with any kind of predator that came along. So these were, these were some, these were some tough, tough dudes, uh, and we get we, we get this sense uh, here right right from the jump right uh, verse eleven I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep this this is a willingness to to lay down his life uh, the shepherd is willing to do it the shepherd is not going to just lay down. Uh, their lives uh, in some sort of performative manner, right? Um, and, uh, and we're going to get to this in, in a second, but but just realize that that this willingness is, is key. This shows the depth of the strength of the shepherd, uh, because what what we have happening here um, is Jesus in, in verses eleven and twelve. Uh, well, 11, 11 through thirteen, right? I mean, there is this, there is this contrast that he makes. Uh, on the one hand, you have the good shepherd who's willing to lay his life down. On the other hand, you have the hired hand uh, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And so, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. So, the hired hand. Uh, he he sees danger, and his his concern is more about his own life. His concern is to take care of himself. His the hired hand's concern is his own well-being. The shepherd, on the other hand, his primary concern is the care and well-being of the sheep. And as a result of that, he is willing to lay everything down. He is willing to give his life on behalf of the sheep. The imagery here is one of sacrificial death. It is one where the, the shepherd is willing to sacrifice his life if that's what it takes to care for and protect the sheep. Now again, as I mentioned before, this was not performative right? This is not some sort of performative self-sacrifice. The, the shepherd was not going to walk his sheep up to a cliff, run off, jump, and turn as he's falling off the cliff saying, I love you. 
and falling down to the bottom of the canyon. Um, that that's not what is going on here. This, this because if it was just performative, then what he does is he leaves the sheep. You know, he leaves the sheep uh, to the to the predators. He leaves the sheep to the people who want to to hurt them. He leaves the sheep, uh, you know, to the to the wolf. And and that's not that is not what we see here. No, what we see here is the shepherd is going to take on the wolf. The shepherd is going to engage the wolf in the protection of the sheep, even to the point of death. If death is what is required to, 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 to take care of the sheep, that is what the good shepherd is willing to do. This is what makes him good, is his willingness to give all on behalf of the sheep, to lay his life down on behalf of the sheep, in contrast to the hired hands whose primary concern is their own well-being, right? Uh, so, so we move on. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, so the, the willingness, I think this is what's so fascinating to me, the, the willingness to lay down his life, the good shepherd's willingness to lay down his life, is rooted, it's rooted in his knowledge, his relationship with the sheep. Okay? Follow me here. He knows the sheep and his sheep know him. Just as the Father knows him and he knows the Father. So, Jesus has this this depth of intimacy with God the Father. God the Father and God the Son have this relational intimacy where they are deeply connected with one another. They love one another. They know one another at a, at a depth. And Jesus says, my knowledge of the sheep and their knowledge of me is the same kind of thing. It's the same kind of intimate connection and relationship, right? This, this is what, this is what then forms the foundation for his willingness to lay down his life. This, I think, is why we can get to what it says in Hebrews, where it says that, you know, Jesus, for the joy set before him, was willing to go to the cross, scorning his shame. And this, this is the idea here, right? He, the joy that was set before him was the reconciliation of his sheep to his father. It was the reconciliation of, of his people. He was able to bring them into deep and abiding relationship with himself, with one another and his father. He's able to kind of, you know, connect the loop, so to speak. And you think about this, you know, you think about this from just even, even our own perspective. Like, how satisfying is it? How satisfying is it when, when we have 
friends in kind of one sphere of life and deep close friends in another sphere of life and we're able to bring those friends together and and they become they become friends with one another it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful um a great picture of this i think is uh is is what dave weber has done uh with with pipe night uh or this a little chat group that uh, he's got going on on Telegram uh, that, that's called Midday Murray's. We have these guys from different spheres of his relationships. And he has brought them together. And now all these guys are friends with one another, deep abiding relationships with one another. And we see this beautiful thing happening where, where we're walking into each other's lives and we're caring for each other and we're we're giving of ourselves to another. It's it's absolutely a beautiful thing. This this is what's this is kind of what what Jesus is saying here. He's like, I've got this relationship, this deep abiding relationship with the Father, and I have this deep and abiding relationship with the sheep. I lay down my life and I reconcile the two. I close the loop. I bring it all together. You see. His sacrifice, his sacrifice is rooted in intimacy, relational intimacy with the sheep and the father. Uh, it's that, that to me is such a remarkable thing because it is as he brings those two things together, as he brings the sheep and the father together, as he closes that relational loop, what happens? The sheep experience life to the full. Right? This goes back to last week. It's, 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 it, we don't want to pull it too far apart, right? So, so it, is, it is in the context of this relational dance that is taking place between God the Father, God the Son, and God's people. And I think we can include safely include God the Spirit in here as well. There is this, this dance that is happening. And, it is, and, the, and the thing that brings it all together is Jesus, it's the Christ and his willingness to lay down his life to make that a reality. How beautiful is that? How beautiful are the feet that bring good news, right? I mean, this is, it all begins to to come together. Do you see how this begins to come together? So, So we have a willingness to lay down his life that is rooted in relationship but then Jesus goes one step further, right? Verse 16, where, where we see that the good shepherd has more than one pen. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. What is Jesus saying here? Well, if we were to go back to uh, verses uh, 1 through 6 here in chapter 10, we, w- we would understand that that illustration uh, the, the sheep pen he is talking about here is the Jewish, is the Jewish people, and so there are sheep within that pen within within Israel. And and so what Jesus is saying is he's saying no I, along with that pen I have sheep that are that are out here that are out in the world. He is universalizing the gospel. He is making the gospel bigger. He's saying this. This shepherd, me as the good shepherd, I'm not just laying down 
my life for the sheep of this pen. I have pens all over the place and I am laying down my life for them. And, 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 and so what is happening here? Not just am I reconciling by the laying down of my life between the sheep of this pen and the Father, but also the, the global sheep with the sheep of this pen with the Father. You see, he's, he's, he's arguing for the reconciliation of all things. He's bringing all of it together, right? He is universalizing this gospel. It is not just for the people of Israel. It is for the whole world because he has sheep who know him and he knows them that are not a part of Israel. And so it's an expansion, right? It's an inclusion and expansion. He's including the people of Israel, but then he's expanding upon it. And he's saying, I, I am the one who's going to make good on all these promises that were made back to Abraham. Right, that they would be a blessing to the nations. This is how we get there. You see, this is how the covenant of grace goes global. This is how these promises go so far beyond just one small people group. This is, this is of critical importance that the gospel, the gospel is inclusive. It is huge. The gospel of grace is bigger and more expansive than we could ever possibly imagine. This is what is going on here. So, so we have more than one pen, right? The good shepherd lays down his life. The good shepherd knows his sheep. The good shepherd has more than one pen. But then finally, and this might be the most important thing, Verses 17 and 18, the good shepherd has authority. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. <laughs> now, some people say, oh, so God only loves Jesus because he died on the cross. No, that is not, that's not what's being said here. It's not what's being said here. What's being said here is the reason the father loves Jesus um, is, 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 is because of his absolute perfect obedience, right? Now, some of us might go, oh, so it's not, a, it's not an unconditional love. But we, we got to move outside of this binary thing, right? Of Jesus is either going to obey or not obey. That, that's, that's not what's happening here. This is really going more deeply into identity, into the reality of the deep, intimate connection between God the Son and God the Father. You can't pull them apart. They are one and the same. And yet, they are individuals. Perfect unity in perfect diversity. So, so we have to just be very careful, I think, of, of trying to create some sort of uh, recipe here. Uh, I, I, I don't think that's the point. I think the point is, is, is Jesus talking here in verse 18, that no one, no one takes his life from him, but he lays it down of his own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from God the Father. So 
what's the command that he's obeying? The command he's obeying is that I is the father basically saying, I give you authority to to lay down your life and take it up again. This is the thing. It is the resurrection. Follow that guys, this this is one of those things that it's like when you can wrap your mind around it. The command was don't stay dead. The command was take your life up again. The command was resurrection. The command is rooted in resurrection. Why? Why? Because resurrection closes the relational loop. Resurrection is the reconciliation. Resurrection is the evidence of perfect reconciliation. There is no more. There is no more isolation. There is no more being set aside. There is no more um, uh, uh, exile. No, in resurrection, in resurrection, there is unity. There is reconciliation. There is deep, intimate, abiding relationship. And this was the command that Jesus ultimately obeyed. Not, not ultimately that he would sacrifice, but ultimately that he would rise again, that he would take his life back up. <laughs> are, you, are you tracking here? Are you following what is going on in this little verse? It's so, so important. That, I mean, we just, we cannot, I can't, I almost can't wrap my mind around how important this verse is. It is, it is critical. It is critical. God, God knew, right? Like there was a necessity for death. There was a necessity for Jesus to lay his life down. Now, what, why was the necessity there? Well, because we had a debt. Humanity had a debt that had to be paid. And that debt was paid in the cross. But you see, once the debt was paid, then there is resurrection. There is reconciliation. You see, these the, the language that comes out of the Old Testament into the New Testament, it is, it is economic language. It is debts and reconciliations. And as we move into that reconciliation portion, we are able to enter back deeply into relationship. You see, this is, this is the end goal of the Good Shepherd. The end goal of the Good Shepherd is, is reconciliation. It is, it, it, is, it is to bring the sheep into relationship. It is to bring the sheep into into relationship with God the Father. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. And what happens when you come into relationship with God the Father? You experience life and life to the full. It is the undoing. It is the undoing of what took place in Genesis chapter 3. It is us going back to Genesis chapter 2. Right? Do you see how he is undoing death and bringing life? This, this, is what, this is what happens when the when the good shepherd lays down his life. And then you have the following action, right? Jesus 
words divided the people. Some thought he was crazy. Some thought he was heal, uh, a healer, that he was sane. So what what can we take from that? Well, the gospel, the gospel bears itself self out to be foolishness to those who are perishing and life to those who are being saved. The, the people who want to pursue love and reconciliation hear this and go, oh my God, this is it. Where else can I go? You have the words of life. Those who, who want to who want to be like hired hands that only want to preserve their own lives, say, ah, nah, dude's crazy. Dude's crazy. This is basically John's way of saying, those who have ears, let them hear. So uh, some questions that you could potentially ask. Uh, well, before I get there, um, so the fallen condition focus, right, uh, really is that we look to others we look to other people for our salvation, and, uh, and we look we look for other ways uh, that don't require that don't require us laying down our lives um, to be like the good shepherd uh, to to find reconciliation. However, the Jesus is the good shepherd and nobody else. So Christ alone is where salvation comes from. I mean this this really is it. I mean, the, the rec- reconciliation is salvation. We we can't we can't be reconciled in any other way, except in the way of Christ, except by the way of the Good Shepherd, which is the laying down of His life and then taking it back up again. We got to trust in that. We got to rest in that. We cannot find reconciliation anywhere else. So that's, I guess that's the challenge, right? That we have to wrestle through. In what ways do we look for reconciliation outside of the Good Shepherd? In what ways do we, are we trying to uh, create or promote reconciliation without the requisite laying down of our own lives? So, um, yeah, so, so maybe some other, just some other conversation questions you can throw out there as, as you go through this. In your mind, what does a good shepherd look like? Uh, you can kind of press, press through some of that. Uh, how, does, how does the Jesus description of the good shepherd challenge your perception? Uh, in what ways do you see people looking to hired hands for salvation? I mean, come on. Uh, we are in an election cycle, right? Um, and uh, people are looking in a lot of different places, a lot of hired hands uh, for salvation. How do you think things would change if Christians set their eyes on Jesus and not elsewhere for salvation? Uh, you know, not, not looking to old glory, not setting our eyes on, on the princes and kings, but setting our eyes elsewhere. How do you need to refocus yourself on the good shepherd? What is it that you need to set aside? Um, these, are some, these are some really important questions. Um, so... Uh, this is, yeah, this is, this is number four. Um, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. I hope, I hope it, it's helpful to you. Um, I hope this is a value add and not just a time suck, right? So uh, love you guys, praying for you guys. Again, please let me know if there's anything else that you need in these podcasts that would be helpful. And uh, until next week, love well.